Welcome to the Backyard Basketball Podcast. I am Christian Steck, your host, and I'm brought to you here uh, by our good friend, Brady Dollar Coltman. How are you doing, Brady? Really good, really good. How uh, he's been out in Winnipeg this last little while. Are, are you surviving the weather? How's the weather been? Weather's been great, but I can feel it in my bones that it's all starting to change. So I'm hoping that these nice days can last a little bit longer. Oh yeah, I I feel the same too, man. I definitely feel the same too. But we're here not to talk about the weather, but to talk about some basketball. This has been a crazy first week, man. You know, first off, before we get into some things, which I'm going to say some stuff and you're going to look at me proverbially and just with your head tilted like come on dude um i gotta tell you though my gut reaction first thing out of the gate i saw it after like the first two games i was like i gotta talk about this i want to emphasize this more uh the new orleans pelicans i'm putting my Uh, foot down right now three games in they're two and one they lost their last game unfortunately it did go to overtime and you'll not believe the team who they were playing against, the Utah Jazz, who are 3-0 and right now. Um, but the New Orleans Pelicans, I'm telling you, is going to be the team this year. If I had to pick one team this year that just completely surprises everybody for how high they actually achieve in terms of their proverbial ceiling, I think it's this team. I just kind of came to realize watching the team, how much depth they have, how well they're coached the age of where their players are at, how well Zion played. And I'm just looking how this is all coming together and they're riffing off of what they did last season, which was this great success. It makes me think of the kind of pre-burning Phoenix Suns before they kind of went on their streak and they were like super successful going all the way to the finals those couple of years. I'm telling you, man, this is the team, at bare minimum, third round of the playoffs. You're a fool. they got you all spiced up because there's been three games in i don't know dude i don't think that you can i mean good for you for thinking that strongly that is a hot hot take coming in hot man i just i i I was i've been i've been biting my tongue for so long wanting to talk you probably think the san antonio spurs are something special too having beaten the philadelphia 76ers well, I, I can't wait to get talking about that because last week, as you may recall, I said the Sixers to win it all. I'm feeling like an absolute <laughs> fool. For, as you said, it's throwing three games in. I know, I know. But, you know, there's some things you're just looking at when you're, like, watching these games or, like, a collection of highlights over, say, a few games. You start to see some, like, ebbs and flows and, like, what the makeup. That's the most important thing I think no one can undermine in any kind of sport. When the season starts, there's some teams where you look at the makeup of the team, there's a cohesiveness about that team that you just can't underrate. And, you know, part of me feels kind of, I know there's been some struggles with the Oilers in terms of the goaltending those first couple of games, but like, you know, I I, I see a bit there with that cohesiveness. Um, And the Boston Celtics, that's something I see that's carrying off from last year. That's evident. (laughs) I love how you said the Oilers and then the Boston Celtics. Like, <laughs> I love those teams. I just, yeah, you know, <laughs> I, can't, I can't help it. But this Pelicans team, man, I just, I think that there's a belief. Maybe that's what it is. Is there's a belief that they have with each other in the room that just prompts a foundation for success. 
And okay. you can, and, and I think that elevates, no matter what the ceiling could reach, it elevates at least at the bare minimum, the floor um, of, of how consistent and confident this team's going to be night in and night. Yeah. I will not argue that new Orleans is on the rise and it, that's just how it goes, right? You get to the bottom, you draft a whole bunch and then you start to get a team with foundation. You've got a good coach, but to suggest three games in that this is a team that's going to get to the third round, I think is a bit, I mean, it's a, it's a spicy hot take. Well, I, I appreciate it. I'm going to take full credit for this one. Uh, to riff off this, is there any spicy hot take that, you know, overseeing the landscape of the first couple games um, that that kind of inspires you of what you think might happen this season? Maybe. Well, early days, it seems, it seems likely that that Brooklyn Nets team is going to start to figure things out. Um, Again, early days, it seems like the Lakers really are in hot water. Uh, other hot I, takes. I mean, I, I'm thinking back to some of our over-unders, and then it's still so early to tell. There's there's some nice stuff we're seeing, I think, out of um, you know Milwaukee. Um, even Houston, who we said is going to be at the bottom, I think they're going to have some nights that's going to be really fun to watch. Um yeah, there's there's going to be some surprises though within that. Even, I mean, three games in, and we've got a three and zero Utah Jazz team. Do the Utah Jazz know how to tank? Do they know what what the word tanky means? No. Do, and do, quite honestly, do they know what the word Victor Wembanyama means? I'm sorry. Well, they all do. They all do. And I think Adam Silver is hoping to God that he doesn't have to deal with any teams that are floating that idea around you you don't want you want 30 teams that are competitive that regardless of of where they sit in the standings you want all teams to be competitive day you know every night that's what the fans deserve after the trade deadline you know that's when you start to think where could our you know that's when people start to look past the season because there's already teams that, are, that that become eliminated and won't be making the playoffs and so I think that's when some of that starts to pick up again. But hopefully we don't see any of that action before then. I don't want to see Utah, you know, focusing on trying to do something special just to get to the first. Yeah, Victor Wembanyama is like, man, it's going to be revolutionary for any team. But you don't want to see that. You don't want to see teams tanking ever in any sport. Well, and you bring up, I mean, you bring up a lot of really great points. I mean, it's been espoused a lot on the news here, most recent even discussions today with Adam Silver in regards to what strategies can you combat the idea of tanking. And I mean, you're right. Like no team wants to do that. It, it happens. I don't know. My belief in so many of these leagues, it is prevalent whether we want to, you know, agree with it or not. And there's always these unique strategies that teams find a way to get those incentives as you know, far back, most recent, I would think of with the Philadelphia 76ers. And and I, I can't even think of the individual's name off the top of my head because of how aggressively he was erased from the league, you know, for wanting just to tank, you know, collectively over that five, six year period. And wasn't just it, Calangelo? it was Colangelo, but wasn't there somebody over top his head as well? Oh, very likely. Yeah. I oh, can't. Yeah, I'm sure there was. I digress. But 
Yeah. You know, you know who they got? They got Ben Simmons. They got Ben Simmons. They got Markel Fultz. I mean, they did oh, very well for themselves. Of course, no, you know, they is, didn't. What? Is it, but that is well the for themselves. Traded away. All right. That is the karma for maybe wanting to engage with this type of negotiation. You have to trust in a little bit on top of, you know, any kind of incentives to sway away. Some person, one person I saw recently brought up the idea of what they do in uh, European uh, football and soccer, um, where that bottom team, if you are really terrible in whatever league you get demoted, relegated, you know, and you have this movement. And I mean, it's difficult because the whole structure of the system, I mean, in so many of these leagues in the NBA and, and I mean, in the in North America, in particular, the NBA, like you couldn't say, you know, oh, we're going to have a G League team rank up if, say, you know, the Utah Jazz or the San Antonio Spurs, you know, don't meet expectation and try and de-incentivize people from tanking. Like, that just yeah. wouldn't work. None of these G League teams could even come close to contesting. Like, it would be yeah. such a chasm. But... It, it also brings up an interesting conversation of, you know, I think maybe the desperation of some of these leagues, because I feel like the penalty that you see that in, in European fo- football, like that's pretty aggressive. Like if you get kicked out, what are your chances of you having to like work your way, grind your way back up to that top echelon of that league? You know, like, um, I don't, if I, like, I just, that would hold, open a whole can of worms, but you know, the Utah Jazz being 3-0, and like that, you can't... Well, I mean, that, Portland Trailblazers, man. Portland Trailblazers. Okay, Damian Lillard, I, this was one thing I definitely wanted to touch on briefly, which will lead us into the next, you know, big discussion I wanted to talk about in this pod with you. Um, Damian Lillard, man, he is... Like, I don't know if you've seen some of his highlights or seen some of the, some of the oh, games, yeah. but holy shit, he's looking so good at 32. Well, he's 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 not digressed. I mean, this guy still is competitive. He still wants to win, and he and he wants it probably more. I mean, if you remember going back to last year, the conversations we had, he had so much to prove, and that hasn't gone away. That's you know, Damian Lillard's mo is you know, play from behind and play with a chip on his shoulder. And, you know, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna form a super team, and I'm gonna do it my way in the home that I love, which is the Rose City, and. The fact that he's still there and he's got his team off to a really good start, I think, is something special. I, I you know, I, I'm not sure they can last 82 games at this pace, but it's great, great to see. Do you think with kind of this early success and maybe some of the synergies, um, I remember some of those highlights seeing, you know, Jeremy Grant playing well into the into the team, Anthony Simon scoring a lot of points. Like, do you see an avenue with assets that they have? If they're successful in winning games, a path to maybe have some movement amongst the Portland Trailblazers, pairing with Damian Lillard and say his twilight years or entering maybe that, I don't know. I mean, he could still be in his prime. Yeah, he looks really good. Um, but a way that this team can elevate itself to be maybe one of those top teams in the West. Well, the way right now is to continue to win. They have to keep up at this pace so that they can prove to the to the front office and the brass in Portland that that they need to add to take it to the next level. And if not, cause they really are, you know, at a crossroads here of, I don't want to say tank, but do we, do we hold on with what we've got? We play out this year, we play out maybe even next year and we start to, we start to build again. We start, I mean, uh, a rebuild happens without Damien Lillard because 
yeah. Dame doesn't stay there through that. And and they were really close a few years in terms of their playoff uh, um, experience. So I think if they can continue this kind of momentum, then absolutely there's a way in which they, they become competitive with more supporting cast. Um, but they need they need to prove that, that they're able, you know, that they that they need that. Uh-huh. But how exciting would that be? They got to the deadline and they're, you know, fifth seed in the in the West and, and they pull off some pretty sweet stuff at the deadline. They could they could all all of their fortunes could change from that, right? Well, hundred percent. I mean, you set yourself up to like you're saying, have a, a really hard uh, competitive spirit. And if you can prove to the league that kind of success, make some good moves at the trade deadline, depending on and there's always, you know, disappointment, certain kind of fallout that happens at the end of the season for some of these teams and some of these players, maybe not making that expectation. One I could probably think off the top of my head, well, actually a couple, you know, uh, some individuals in Miami, maybe Jimmy Butler comes to mind. I don't know how that well would pair. Bradley Beal in Washington. Like you could, those kind of guys could start to look to Portland as like, oh, maybe this could be, you know, a good place to oh, go. Oh, for sure. I don't see it being Miami because I think they'll be competitive enough on their own that they wouldn't be just selling pieces. But again, like three games in, who knows what what could happen? Uh, you know, <laughs> this is a lot of speculation. Really well, it's always going to be speculation, especially, especially movement. But some of these teams that we really expect to uh, to succeed, there it's very you know at any point they could, they could run into an injury, they could run into uh, you know just a cold streak. Anything can happen to change the fortunes of the league, which is. Which is why it's you know it's I, I think that's what's so fun about the NBA is that is that there is so much movement and you know it's it, it really comes down to what makeup works and what kind of basketball you know what what is the identity of the NBA it's not all about bigs anymore it's about shooting and and when it becomes about shooting then how to you know, how do you combat that? And then how does the identity of the league change from that? And so the, the constant kind of turnover on teams makes it pretty exciting as a fan, I think. Obviously, you don't want to lose some of your stars. Like, I'm sure Utah is feeling, as a fan, I would be like, well, this is a write-off. I'm not watching this season. And now they're 3-0. and So it's like, well, there's a little bit of excitement with whatever we've got. So Yeah, yeah no, I, I, I agree with you 100%. It's amazing to see how... The game is ever evolving and, you know, even hearing things as of uh, recent, somebody was talking about the Philadelphia 76ers and, and actually this was, I, I was listening to a pod with Raja Bell was commenting on this, which he would have seen a lot of during his era playing in the mid two thousands and talking about Joel Embiid and when these small lineups go against the 76ers and Joel Embiid's in the post. And it's like, you know, something you saw more frequent back in that day is it's like, you know, if you have these smaller lineups going against you and they're destroying you on the offensive end and you have that size and you get that ball in the post, you need to bury these guys, these younger, these smaller defenders. You need to absolutely bury them with your physicality, your size, which, again, that adds a, a new nuance and evolution to the game where then that other team is like, all right, now, Joel, if I put that small lineup on, he's just continuously, you know, finding those opportunities, capitalizing, getting some extra points just by doing that, which are easy you know, easy enough plays. Um, how do I combat that? You know, maybe yeah. I need a bit more size. But absolutely. Um, okay, well, you know, we're talking about the 76ers. We'll riff on that, and I'd love to just 
tail into the Portland to something that we've seen with Dame and another team later on here in a sec. But with the 76ers, they're 0-3. Now, they're they're playing right now. I From the looks of it, I was seeing the score. They might be close that they could win this first game tonight. Um, but, man, I'm feeling pretty stupid. Yeah, they're, what, they're playing. Uh, they're up by eight right now. And the, yeah. there's about six. Six minutes left in the fourth against the Pacers. Against the Pacers. Yeah. So. Yeah, dude, they lost to the Spurs and like handedly. I, 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 I didn't want, I didn't see the full game. But I watched the highlights of that. And the first thing that came to mind when I watched that game, it was like, man, the Spurs have so much energy. It looks like they give a shit. Like they want to win this game. And the 76ers like walked in there like they just expected they were going to win this game. But they that's had exactly no energy. it, right? And that's the same thing we're seeing with Utah. It's like now there's yeah. now there's teams that are fighting for, yeah, maybe we don't have a super team. Maybe we don't have a superstar. But these are NBA athletes. Like they're, everybody, everybody who's there deserves to be there. And we're seeing more than just superstars going off. Look at fucking – the Lakers, like this is the best player in the world and he's got the best center in the world when he's healthy and they're, you know, they're shit and bricks. And so I, I think, I think it speaks more to the Testament. One of the coaching, right? Pop's yeah. still there with San Antonio. I don't know who Utah's coaches these days, but it's just like, you can't write out some of these teams again, running it back three games in so this it probably this probably isn't what the standings look like nearing the playoffs but uh a hot start is a hot start and it's something to be excited about so with with philly like that's what that's when people start sweating and it's like three games in and they're already calling for doc's head it's it's not good well they have high expectations that's just it right well, and I got to say, at least Doc needs to sit and have a conversation with James Harden because I looked it up and his dribbling usage these last three games was like equivalent to like the Houston numbers when it was oh, yeah. just straight up ISO Harden, like, yeah. let me hold on to the ball. And it's like, you got, you get, your team is like, your top eight is terrifying. Like, you have so much depth on this team. Like, you got to give those guys some other touches, especially to this thing that blows my mind. Like, this team is like, you know, has a lot of potential. I don't know where the hell Matisse Thibel's been. He hasn't like played like any of these games. Like his shot, I guess, is like so shot. He's terrified to shoot like Ben Simmons. Okay. I, I don't know if that feed it off on him, but he's an incredible defensive player. And they yeah. have they have so much great defense on this team. And and yet, like what the the Pacers are ninety five points on them with with five minutes to go. Like I don't know. I like looking at that. They're gonna probably clips a hundred. Like I feel like you should. You should be better than that. They'll, they'll figure it out. I mean, they'll figure they it out. But I don't. Be I don't. I now I'm. I ah oh, man. <laughs> I don't think it's gonna win. Team's gonna win, man. You're regretting <laughs> that overpick. Well, they just have to make it to the play-in, dude. I felt. I feel good about Boston, man. They look. Yeah. They look good. I mean, oh, well, they're they're doing really well. They they might lose tonight. Uh, I think yeah. they're down right now, but but I mean, yes, yeah, it's, it's early days still, and they they're a team. I, I always love watching a team who's lost the year before in the finals because they want it that much more the next year. Totally, totally. They want to get want to get back there and get that opportunity, and and you never know what's going to come again. They're playing well. I I almost want to say like Joe Missoula for Coach of the Year. 
<laughs> but okay, I won't, I, won't, I, won't, I won't go that far. Uh, quickly, before I jump out west, one last thing I wanted to touch on. I don't know if you've seen, uh, you know, the Raps have had some good games against Brooklyn. Kyrie made a comment that Pascal could be a triple-double guy. Um, you know, he gave so a lot of praise to Pascal, talked about, you know, him hanging around the L.A. area all last summer, putting in the work. Um, he's looking really good right now. Also against Miami last, you know, other thing we touch on, uh, that, uh, I don't know if you've seen that scrum between Christian Coloco and, and was it Caleb Martin or whatever? Uh, yeah. that was sweet. <laughs> that was crazy. Well, was and it was, about it. well, it wasn't sweet. It was, it wasn't sweet. It was sweet in the sense that I remember, okay. It was all Caleb Martin. He owned it a thousand percent. Good for him. When he got knocked down and as a rookie Christian Coloco, the camera pan, and you see him, and like in that moment, he is like not fighting back whatsoever. Like he makes a look oh, to yeah. somebody, like like I'm fine, I'm down. fine, I'm not doing anything. Like I'm literally yeah. not doing anything. Like this guy pushed me into the stands, get me out of the stands, and like let's play some basketball. Like his composure, I guess, even with the guy yeah. wanting to stand over top of him, was quite impressive just- for a rookie. But that was that was the, what was cool you know about that but oh yeah i mean it they're they're there's lots of fight there's lots of passion <laughs> yeah, it's in the game. i don't like the i don't like the you know the the taunting the standing yeah. over the guy i think it I, you know i would i would want him to do that over and over again if that's if that's what was coming at him and so it's great to see coloco as a rookie stand up i mean he's seven foot tall so he's probably not scared of anything but uh speaking of pascal absolutely he could be a triple double guy he could be a yeah, he could. He had some regression after Kawhi left, and so you know he's still. Still, I think he still made the All Star team last year. Maybe he didn't. Maybe it was just Fred. But he's still of that echelon. He's still of that caliber. And then to to hear some some of the other superstars around the league commenting and complimenting the uh, the effort that Pascal's put in, it's so great to see. And it's and it's you know you want to see it now pay off on the on the court. He's a leader, though, and I think he's also recognizing, too, now he's kind of entering the veteran era of his career. So what what's what's next, you know? Yeah, no, 100 percent. Do you think uh, do you think Pascal can finish in top five of MVP this year? Mm, that's tricky. That's that's a harder one. I would love for that to happen because it would mean he really stepped it up. But no, I don't. See, maybe ten, but no, I don't see five. Top five. That's huge, man. Uh, I just. Five. I mean, the Lakers are going to finish bottom last, and LeBron's still going to be third in voting. Oh, get out of here! Get out of here! Well, okay, we we skirted we've skirted enough around this. Let's just get to let's just get to the meat of it. The meat of this pod. Well, I really wanted to bring you on here tonight so we can. Talk, I stack the Los Angeles Lakers. And I, I don't, oh God, I don't feel like they're going to win at all. You think that's, is that your hot take? Next year. (laughs) But like no one's on the team. I don't see a path for trading Westbrook away and getting pieces back. No. I heard most recent talks a, a consideration of Josh Richardson or Terry Rozier. Okay. Yeah. Okay. What like how if you had to put on your GM hat 
And yeah, this is like, you win the game. You win the game if you can fix the Laker problem. Okay, this I'll team isn't probably going to be like a maybe top six team, but maybe can you get to the top six in the West? Yeah, yeah, I'll tell you how. Okay, how? You take out, you take all of the media credentials away. I think that is the problem in LA. And I think that it has fucked Russell so badly, just in his confidence, and I think that the focus has come completely away from basketball and and so much pressure. I mean, it's a massive market there, right? Yeah. Look at these other teams, the Yankees, the Dodgers, the Montreal Canadiens, the Toronto Maple Leafs. These are massive markets that they if you do not succeed, you are absolutely you're either ostracized, you're you know, you're 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 just you're made out to be a villain. And how do you how do you perform? How do you perform anything successfully in that kind of a headspace? So it's frustrating because you gotta make a I mean they've done it all their career. It's all they know. And you know, Lord knows Russell's experienced negative media before, but he's always been able to play through it and he is a good basketball player. So he's a great basketball watching player. watching him in a situation here now where he's not relied upon and you, you, you don't want him shooting. I mean, heck most of them don't even want him on the court these days. Cause you don't know what he's going to do. I want to see him pass more. I want to see him slashing more, making more cuts to the basket. If something doesn't work uh, like his shooting, then you got to turn to the other skills that you've got. And Russell has a bunch of different skills in his bag. So it's hard, and I'm sure the other thing too. Like now, it's not all media, and but Pat Bev coming in, I I think that's a tricky one because there is a history here of not getting along. Now they're professionals, so they should be able to figure that out, and I'm sure they have. But Pat Bev is a very similar kind of a leader as LeBron, as Russ, um, where he's vocal. He's very very vocal. And he and he wears his heart on his sleeve. He's incredibly passionate, and you can see it. So, I think it's hard. It's hard to manage some of those personalities. Um, but they should be able to. They should. God, they should be able to figure stuff out. I do think that they'll have a chance again at the play-in. I don't think this is a lost cause for the Lakers, but this this start doesn't help the cause. They've got a new coach, so you're kind of going, "Hey, is this going to work?" Um, they're going to have to try some new things, I think. And, and yeah, dude, I don't know. What do you think? What, what, what helps them? What changes their fortune right now? Well, I think you bring up a lot of really great points. Um, it's, it's funny. You're listening to all of these conversations and pieces and perspectives about rest through the media. And a lot of the things that I've heard or listeners seen, have been, you know, iterated about the matter of fact, Alma matter of, you know, him, the player, you know, with the team, the Lakers, like you said, the pressure of the Lakers. And there's been a bit of conversation, I guess, in, in reference to hear stories of like, you know, and those are the shittiest things of fans at games who are saying shit to him or saying shit to his family about his family you know, he's not 
from what I've heard from downtown LA specifically, but from the greater LA area, that's where he's originally from. So he has so many friends and family in that they're coming to his games and they're hearing this shit constantly. And like when, when that invades in your, in your bubble, you know, that is like the sacred space where you can decompress. And if that shit's even piercing in your bubble and you can't even decompress, like I can't imagine the weight, like, I heard somebody once say, like, he just doesn't look happy. I think it was Chuck or something even said, you know, on TNT made a comment. Like, he just looks unhappy. And the best thing that, you know, Barkley wishes of Westbrook is to get out of L.A. Because it would just be better for his overall mental health. But to get back to initially what you're saying with the media, I, I do think it's a shit show that they compress all of these narratives on top of each other that create like a pile of bricks that weigh on a particular individual. And it does frustrate me that there isn't maybe enough conversation about the other liabilities in LA, you know, LeBron not playing defense, which we know he's done this for years. Yeah. Also LeBron playing part GM role and bringing Russ in in the first place and taking some accountability. And he finds these weird magic tricks to find himself, his hands clean from these kind of situations. And and, you know, we talk about even the durability of, of um, uh, 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 Anthony Davis and, and, and how, uh, how well he can play consistently, how well these guys can evolve with each other. And I've never even sniffed a competitive basketball court in my life. I never will. I don't know what that experience is like to be a player. What? Wait, what, do, what is that? But I'm, I'm saying, well, uh, yeah. You know, you you know, sniffing basketball courts. Well, I, I don't know. I'm sure they. I'm sure that would smell immaculate. How amazing would that be when you step fresh out of that court, you know, right before a game? But oh, I see what you mean. I, I thought you meant as a fan, like you you wear like a nose plug or something when you're a basketball game. Every time, every time, right. I just can't. I can't. Um, yeah, yeah. But but you know, I imagine if you play the game a certain way for a certain long period of time, it's probably really hard to uproot those habits. And I think. You got to get Westbrook to a team where his most recent success besides OKC on Washington is one of his greatest assets that maybe doesn't get talked about enough is his will. He needs to go to a team where he can bring his will to will the team that needs some will to get themselves to a competitive place where it's a learning experience for the whole group. Who cares if maybe he gets some more usage? You can complement that with some young stars that help them find their way. I don't know if a reunion him and OKC, if that could be a potential thing down the road, but it could be a good thing for him. There's a couple teams sprinkled out there that would work. And then for Yeah. Yeah. You say that because it it makes me think of what James Harden's up to. It's like, I think both of these guys really succeed when they were at their prime. It was just them. And and that might that, that they might can't be... play with other players. It just means no. I think that the, their usage and what they do on the court is, it, I don't know, I don't know. And and yeah, man, you know, I think I think that's so true. And it, it's you may not win a championship <laughs> the way that you play, but there's been, you get, you also can't undermine. There's there's been so many players have come and gone through the league in all these different iterations, and everybody has posed a different you know, spot in the scansion of this league in terms of their success, the stories, the moments that they've had, yeah. you know, and it's beautiful because it just, it, it brings so much 
character to to the league and Westbrook has such a fitting place for what he's done and I hope at least at the end of the day you know people don't focus so much on the bricks like he had most recently against Portland you know taking a terrible shot like that you know at the end of the game I'm bringing it up right now this is so ignorant of me but I'm just saying focus on (laughs) focus on you know, those moments where he was a triple-double guy. He beat Oscar Robertson's record that some people thought was unsaleable. Um, and then to think of the Lakers as a whole. Now, I want to pose this to you, which I thought was an amazing perspective I heard recently. So, in talking about what the Lakers need. So, if we take Russell Westbrook aside, the pieces supporting, say, the main cast of Anthony Davis and LeBron James. A lot of people here in the media talk about, oh, you need shooting, 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 shooting. Say you go and get Miles Turner and get Buddy Heald, and that's going to help make this team successful. Raja Bell made a comment recently, and he said this. This is not how LeBron plays. If you watch how LeBron – if LeBron was in Cleveland, you know, even at 2018, sure, he could get his shoulders down. He could get past guys, go downhill. That opens up the play for everybody just to shoot out to the wings or the corner, open space, and then shooting is an asset. Um, now LeBron's taking more shots. He's taking, you know, like seven, eight threes a game. He's taking a lot more jumpers. He plays differently. He doesn't go downhill quite like he used to. So maybe instead of shooting for the Lakers, the Lakers need more playmaking. They need more creativity. Now I can see Terry Rozier being a good asset for them in that respect. Well, I thought that was a Pat Bev. <laughs> I, I guess Pat Bev is that kind of guy. you get more of that defensive really? intensity than, I mean, yeah. and yeah, you need a bit more of that, but I guess also Pat Bev and, and Russell Westbrook to kind of get in the way of each other. And that, that in itself is an issue. And I agree with you bringing Pat Bev in this. We need to get Westbrook, you know, moved on to greener pastures, bring in maybe a bit more of that play playmaking that can help support Pat Bev and all that can be made. Maybe more. I'm not sure. Over. I'm not sure Russ moves until he's a free agent. I know, man, that's, that's the only oh. thing. His contract's still... Uh, so is this year just kind of a write-off then for the Lakers? No, dude. No. It's three games in. Watch watch Darvin Ham figure this thing out, and it starts to click, and they go on a streak. And everybody's like, oh, well, I guess they are good. Because LeBron James is on this team. Anthony Davis is on this team. The only way they don't make it to the playoffs, I think, this year is if, is if there's injury. I actually don't think that they that they will be on the outside this year looking in. I, yeah, I just don't. I mean, I mean, ah, I just don't think it's going to be like that. They, they came very close the last couple of games, you know, and I think they, I think that starting a season as frustrating as 0-3 is, it, it might spark more of a fire under this team to say, no, it's, it's not going to be all, you know, easy riding. Yeah, well, so why would it be this year? Three games in, we got to have all these decisions made up. So quickly bef- before <laughs> before before we leave, I just want to run it by quickly because we're three games in. I need to know now. We didn't do this yeah. before the season started. Uh, okay, remind remind the audience and also remind myself. Who do you have winning this year? Who do you have in the finals and who do you have winning? Did I decide? I don't know I if you decided I- last week. So. <laughs> Here's your, here's your opportunity. I think we had Denver. I think I had Denver. You had Denver? And I, I had I totally did not have the 76ers. Nobody listened to the last pod. Yeah, you did. What are you talking about? Um, uh, MVP? Ooh, MVP. MVP. Oh, man. I, I, guessed, uh, I guessed Luca last year. 
And I want to make another bold swing uh, at Luca, but it's not going to be him this year. It's going to be John Morant. John Morant. Oh, I like that pick. I'm gonna, I'm gonna sit. I'm gonna go Luca. I'm gonna go Luca this year because I think Dallas is gonna be worse than they were last year, but Luca's gonna be better. That doesn't make sense. Yeah, and if, but trust me, it makes yeah. sense. I think, I think the third one in that that has a very good shot at it again is Joel, though. Joel. Yeah, I could see that too. Uh, defensive player of the year. I'm gonna say. Ooh. Ooh. It can change. Defensive player of the year. You go first. You go first. So it was Marcus Smart last year. Oh. Um, that's never going to happen again. I love Marcus Smart. Uh, it's going to totally be Patrick Beverly this year. No. Um, <laughs> the Twin Towers in um, Minnesota? I'm going to say Giannis. Giannis. That's a good pick. I'm going to say Kawhi. Oh, that's a good pick. I like that pick. Yeah. Yeah. That'd be good. Clippers, they're interesting. I was watching yeah, a little dude, bit. I actually, Kendrick's got them winning it all. Really? And Perkins chose them to win it all. Wow. I I don't know. I I mean, they got a lot of depth. Um, yeah. I love Norman Powell. I'd love to yeah. see him win another chip. Um, I want to see John Walls uh, uh, ooh, come back to some form. Reckoning? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good story. It's a good story. That'd be that'd be Absolutely. really great. Uh, and okay, uh, there's a couple other awards, but last but not least, uh, Coach of the Year. So. Wait, we're just ending on Coach. We're not doing rookie or sixth. Okay, we'll do. Okay, we'll do Coach in the one. Okay, well, who would your sixth man be? Jordan Poole again? I'll tell you who. Uh, Jordan Poole, Tyler. Okay, we're coach. doing Coach first. We're doing Coach first. And I'm going to say the Coach of the Year is going to be. Shoot! Oh, this is tr- this is tricky. Um, let's go with let's go with Malone because because that Denver team's gonna win it all. Mike Malone, all right, all right, because Denver's gonna win. It all. Like, I, I'm gonna go uh, Willie Green because I I believe this much in New Orleans. Yeah, yeah, I yeah, think yeah, no, that's nice. I'm putting all my chips on my stock in New Orleans. Yeah, okay. Uh, <laughs> uh, okay, so we did that uh, rookie of the year. Oh boy, this one's oh boy. Well, I really like that Jaden Ivy. I like Jaden Ivy too. I'm a, you're gonna go Jaden Ivy? Oh, Jaden Ivy. Yeah. J- Detroit. Jaden Ivy, Detroit. Him and Cade. That's that is a dangerous duo. I'm so excited yeah, for man. Detroit. Um, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go. Pieces for, for them to be relevant, but I hope I'm pronouncing it right. Ben Carroll. I'm going Ben Carroll of Orlando. Oh, all right. I watched. I watched Paulo. I watched his first game, and I think he had 25 points. He looked like a polished NBA player in his first game. That kind of scared. That's me. awesome. Yeah, I'm so Orlando is they got they got a good team. Uh, okay, and the one that you really want to do six man of the year. Who's your six man? It's from your favorite team, dude. Um, this year, Jose Alvarado. Jose Alvarado. What? Uh, oh, jeez, what's this? This this guy's still like I. It's, this is not a flash in the pan. This guy is still going at it. Stealing everybody's balls. <laughs> he's he's really he's really good. I didn't even that would, that is a good surprise. I don't know pick. if he comes off the bench, but he is a six man. I would I would do it. I like Alvarado way better than doing Pool and Tyler Hero. I just I don't want either of those guys to get it. Those are boring. <laughs> That's so boring. 
we already have enough drama going off in both those respective respective cities all the time. Uh, sweet. Well, okay. This was this was awesome, man. I mean, we've kind of come to our conclusions about what's going to happen, who's going to win. We're three games in. It's already all decided. So no need to watch any more basketball. Um, but if anything uh, changes, we'll uh, we'll touch base uh, next week and let everyone know. So thank you so much for coming on here, man. Yeah, absolutely. Can't wait till next week. Okay. All right. Uh, again, this is the Backyard Basketball Pod. I'm Christian Steck. That's Brain Dollar Coltman. We're produced by the Ordinary Podcast Network. Thank you so much for listening, and uh, we'll uh, talk with you then. Peace. Peace.